Hi, friends. It's Aislinn. And Joe. Welcome to season three at our dinner table. And nothing is off limits at our nope. dinner table. So settle in, mm. grab your favorite beverage, and pull up a chair. Because we have a lot to talk about. phobia for Christmas trees before I met you. Why is that? What do you mean? I was seriously a beginning stages of this whole concept of we buy too much crap. Yeah. And we do it because we're trained to participate in all of these holidays and do it all a certain way. And I was particularly triggered by it when my kids were at that age where they were participating in like every school holiday event and it was all sugar laden do i want to contribute right and if i'm going to well then i need to be different about it i need to handle it in a different way that is more aware and conscious of the things that i'm purchasing my consumption what did that turn into well at the end of the day it turned into me partnering up with you and thinking to myself you know what the christmas tree is a family thing and i want to create things that are family and the Christmas tree became an important part of my life again. Before our first Christmas together, what did you do for a Christmas tree? There were years we didn't have a Christmas tree. Yeah. When Cortland was a little baby, we had really nice Christmas trees, and I'd do multiple Christmas trees. I didn't feel any resistance to the Christmas tree. No. It's like the dinner table talks. It's it's The Christmas tree became like a thing that we could do that helped bring us all in okay. the room together. And there was something about that that shifted it away from... And plus... When we brought our two, there was no consumption about our Christmas tree adventure. This is probably the first year that we've done any real consumption when it related to our Christmas tree. Our Christmas tree was the Christmas tree that you had when you got a divorce. Whatever ornaments were left behind, the ones that I had, we brought them together and we put up a Christmas tree. We put lights on it. Like we, there was nothing fancy about it. We just put all of us did as it the kids. Yes. Like the ornaments that are on our Christmas tree make no freaking sense at all. Like none. It's not art. I see it's Indiana not a bouquet. Jones. Well, let me interrupt you before we continue. <laughs> Welcome to all of our guests. Welcome to the dinner table. It's late. We've already had dinner. And this is like the nightcap time of the evening. I never know what's going to come out of me at this time when we record at this time of the night. <laughs> How do we enhance our Christmas tree as we move forward? Maybe I don't add... know that I want. See, that's the thing. I think that that's the beauty of it. And now this is the snapshot. And now that we've shifted to a real Christmas tree, there's Wolverine is on our Christmas <laughs> <No>! tree. <laughs> we have Sugar Bear on our oh, Christmas I tree. Oh, I love that Sugar Bear. It's a, it's a Christmas ornament, a Super Sugar Crisps mascot. That bear. I was like that when you brought that over. That was amazing. I have a sugar bear Christmas tree ornament. So we got rid of the artificial tree, and now it's time to have it's a tree. It's real. It's a plant. We got a real tree. And it's a, a cut, cut tree. plant. Yeah. It's a cut plant. How do we feel about the cut industry? I, I have different feelings about cut plants than I used to. Like when you met me, yeah. did I want a bouquet of cut flowers? No, 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 never. Maybe not never. If a woman makes you think never. Hmm. <laughs> you didn't want a cut Christmas tree back then. I feel differently about cut flowers because we need little pieces of living joy in our house. And if the closest thing that you can get is to purchase cut flowers from a florist or whatever, have cut flowers in your home. Bring some life inside. Breathe in some life. 
put some plants in your house. And I like the living Christmas tree. And then I'm going to turn it into a garden. Oh, sure. Remember when we went in the middle of the night and grabbed the neighbor's Christmas trees off of the, yes. like, come take it away, dump people? What we should do this year is grab up one of the flatbeds uh-huh. and drive through McClendon <laughs> and just throw some. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. What would you do kidding. with all those Christmas trees? I'd put one of them in the chicken coop. Things can hide in it and around it. Because a hawk tried to come into our coop the other day. Uh, listen. Seriously. Last week's answer to our random question of the week, what's your favorite thing about the house? Out of my mouth immediately, the chickens, the chicken coop, the uh-huh, chicken run. Uh-huh. You told me that you saw a hawk scoping our girls out mm-hmm. immediately totally. into action. Immediately? I bought a fake owl. It's on its way. I'm telling you the answer to the problem. We're going to go there too. The answer to the problem is one of those, it's like a spinning windmill kite type thing, yard ornament that has reflective like lights and colors and and things shift in it and things move and make noises and hawks don't like this the thing about it is is all you have to do is keep them from having a really easy landing pad because they can't hit and kill and pick up anything that's about more than five pounds and a chicken is about that but we have a few chickens little pretty little ones some of our new ones Mm -hmm. that are kind of little pretty ladies shogun they could be like popped off my dog only barely weighs five pounds. That's the truth. <laughs> like, so we need to put some things in our yard that keep them distracted and not wanting to come in. Those are the types of things that chickens can hide underneath that kind of stuff. They can get in a place where a, a hawk couldn't get them. I mean, along with the fact that I can turn it into a garden. I can literally put it in the ground, cover it up with some compost and some topsoil and some sand, plant some vegetables in it. That's how good I am at it. Ooh. <laughs> If I needed to go to the freezer to get a box of mochi balls. They're mochi balls. Would there be any still in there? I think so. I think there's one box. I tried not to eat everything all in the first day it came. Mochi ice cream is a small round confection consisting of a soft pounded sticky rice dumpling. Mm -hmm. That's the mochi. It tastes like a a marshmallow. Formed Mm. around an ice cream filling. Mmm. The ice cream flavors the confection while the mochi adds sweetness and texture. If you haven't had a mochi ball, I'm telling you right now, go out into the world and get yourself a mochi ball because they taste so good and they're so much fun. And even if it's horrible to you and you're like, that is the most disgusting thing ever because I've heard that also. You're going to try something new. What an experience. Mochi ice cream was introduced in 1994 in Hawaii. and. And then the tourist hub that is Hawaii allowed it to quickly go throughout the world. I love the mochi ball. You're going to put those back on your Thrive list? Uh, yeah. And I'm going to try not to make myself sick by eating too many of them. Why do raw apples cause your mouth to itch? Why do they say? I want third opinions. Okay. Well, here's the first one that okay. was a common answer. Uh-huh. If you've ever bitten into an apple and felt your lips and mouth itching, tingling, stinging, or swelling, you may have a condition known as oral allergy syndrome. Uh-huh. OAS is the result of an allergic reaction to a particular type of pollen that's found in apples and is similar to a type of pollen found in birch trees. Continue. I guess. More than 50% of people with birch pollen allergy will react to raw apples or celery. So OAS is not a true food allergy, but rather the body's response to something it mistakenly believes is pollen. The apples have the same chemical makeup as this birch tree pollen. Huh. Okay. 
The thing I feel about all of this particular thing, and I'll go back to exactly what I said before, and that is I need to understand why her body is acting so sensitively. It's not OAS? I don't give a crap about that. I don't give a crap about the stupid labels. Why is your body sensitive to certain things? What certain things is it How do you answer that question? You fast. Oh, okay. You, you eliminate you, some things to you see do if some the condition changes. Things. Yeah. yeah. There's some blood tests out there that you can do that are pretty legit, I think. So maybe that's an unanswered question you can pull out from next week. I mean, there's all kinds of things these days. Things are so different in that you can get all your hormones tested. You can do all kinds of things that you couldn't do before, which means that like it's already changed our whole like wellness and healing and whatever, because you can find your healing on the internet. One year ago today, time What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What are we doing I just here? smiled really big. Episode 2.14 from one year ago this week was a great episode. Yes. It was tight and funny and I thought really informative. <laughs> oh, good. I listened to last week's episode and I thought it was really, I don't know if it was tight, but it was definitely funny. I thought last week's episode was pretty tight. Tight? Tight. That's us. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> I made tortilla soup and it was gluten-free. When did that happen? A year ago this week. Oh, you should make that again. I say that I want to in the near future. I don't think I ever did. I like that tortilla soup. We talked about how this time of year is like our area's soup time, soup time mm-hmm. as far as the temperatures and the lows that we're going to get. Mm-hmm. But I want to play for you a little segment. I'm going out of town tomorrow morning for a five-day trip with my girlfriend. My birthday falls on the Friday of it this year, so it literally falls in the weekend of it. It's a little bit of shopping, a lot of chilling. The river is always amazing, no matter how cold it is, to do a little bit of meditating and just enjoying that time. The girls are some of my most favorite people in the whole world. It's one year later. Yeah, I'm taking my own car this year. Okay. So that does give me a little bit more freedom. And I got a whole box of stuff to eat from natural grocers. Mostly snacks, but also like some bread slices and crackers. You're taking a pantry. Yeah, I'm taking my own pantry. Pick and choose. <laughs> I'm taking my own pantry. You may not open everything that you're taking, but you're, <laughs> no. taking, a, you're taking a pantry for six people with you. <laughs> yes, I am. And I, you know, you never know how much of it will come back. This time you made me a chicken so I can make some chicken salad. Yep, and pimento cheese. And you made me some pimento cheese. What is a pimento? It's a pepper. Pickled? That they smoke and I don't think it's pickled. It's not pickled. It's just some kind of a, I don't know, look it up. What's the temperature supposed to be? Like 78, 79. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. It's always been cold when you've Well, it's not always cold, but often cold. And last year it was very cold. So I kept my whole, every bit of warm clothes, warm everything on while I sat in the middle of the river. So I'm going to be sitting in the middle of the river regardless of what the temperatures are at some point during the weekend. And then we did the last segment ever of a bit called the Dinner Table Talks Ethics Committee. Yeah. That we were going to do that in season two. And I, what what happened? We didn't like it? I 
don't know. Okay, so here I, I don't want to make a bunch of rules for a bunch of people because I then got someone's got to be in charge of those rules. And the bit was that we and then maybe your whole like creative processes expand faster than you can keep up with all the rules you've made, and you know that becomes a problem and it starts. Do you want to hear the three ethics and... that we chose before we canned the whole thing? Well, I'm sure they're probably good ideas. Do you want to hear and them? Values, and I'd support them. Well, Eat so, yes. real food. As these are these were our ethics, and we uh-huh, were gonna uh-huh, weave uh-huh. them into conversation and. Uh-huh. Oh, totally. Eat real food as often as possible. You should just do that. I shouldn't have to tell you or make ethics or rules or anything like that. Plant some food. Well, you need to eat and you need to feed yourself and, you know, like food shortages and things like that. You could start with a little herb garden outside your kitchen window. Yeah, totally. So easy. We should all be doing it. And then buy locally sourced food as often as possible. Well, whenever the distribution system breaks down and you need access to food, you want to make sure that you have the network well-established so that you have food to buy in your local area. See, these ethics work. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that I should be making other people rules. We scrapped that bit. It's not our job to tell other people what to do. Do what you want, but I know what I'm going to do, and I believe that I'm going to have many strong and healthy generations coming behind me. Right before we walked in here to record the podcast... I was chiding Joe a little bit like, well, I guess you didn't expect to have dinner guests tonight because we actually had extra guests at our dinner table this evening. And I that said, was... I hope it works like that any night that I come <laughs> yeah. home. There was a great expansion at the dinner table, even beyond the natural expansion of the dinner table. Yeah, has a really good friend of ours. I walked to the back door onto the back porch to hang out with you and boom, there she was. And had I not sat down right there and we talked for an hour and a half, and I had just gotten straight to dinner, uh-huh. she'd be on the show tonight. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so it got she, she's going to come late. back. But it got oh late. Oh my God, what a friggin' conversation. It was such a great dinner. Really, it's just her wanting to be involved, wanting to learn, but just wanting to be a part of you know what I'm up to and helping me out. Mm-hmm. I have begun working with an, someone that's doing like apprenticeship work with me, and we spent the day... I don't even know, changing the world (laughs) in this like amazing three women conversation. And thank God we had quickly talked about dinner earlier in the day. Yeah, I was going to come straight home Mm -hmm. and cook dinner. But we had talked earlier that day, early in the morning, Mm -hmm. we had talked about what we were going to have for dinner. Yeah, and the plan was to duplicate. I thought you had leeks, to duplicate that Dijon leek. We did talk about that. And then I told you like, no, I'm not going to harvest those. So use the peppers instead, which you use the peppers instead of the leeks. It all came out great. It was so good because he's been, he bought a couple of turnips from the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. I harvested some of my turnips. I told you last week I was going to make you the mashed potatoes with turnips. Promise me those mashed potatoes with turnips. I delivered. Listen, I have this theory. Good chefs have to be adding a turnip to their mashed potato dishes because... There's something about when you pop that turnip in there that just enhances the flavor mm-hmm. of the whole mash experience. It gives it a slightly different texture that if you cook your turnips and your potatoes correctly, it is perfectly velvety. creamy. Yeah, yeah. But I was really focused on those peppers because I've got so many beautiful peppers still coming out of the garden. Why pull leeks out of the dirt when you got peppers going to go bad if you don't use them in the fridge? Exactly made that recipe with the pork chops that you've made before but you know this didn't... is a different recipe oh well, this was a milky creamier recipe well it was fantastic they braised in this yes. sauce yes and the yes. sauce was so easy yeah you want to hear about it yes because then what we'll have shown everyone 
<laughs> then what we'll have like demonstrated is that you can really take pork chops and whatever you want to braise it and make something delicious out of it. Now tell us all about it, Joe. Tell us all about it. <laughs> Thanks, Hazel. <laughs> I found myself at the I found myself at the farmers market tonight. It was a big meat purchase. While there, I collected for your mother from Turkey Hollow Farms, where we buy our meat. <laughs> Go ahead. Like I'm on SNL tonight. Like, <laughs> and she asked me to pick up a box that the Turkey Hollow has just started doing, where they're going to mail you your meat. Nice. And there are meat delivery boxes. Maybe yeah, you've yep, seen them yep. online. But now we got this our is local, a local, local version. Yeah, yeah. So I picked up that box for her. Yeah. In my meat purchase was some pork chops uh-huh. to make these yep, pork chops. Yep. That's the only thing I had to buy for this dish. The only thing. Wow. You threw a bunch of peppers on the cutting block. Mm-hmm. Chicken broth out of the freezer. Mm-hmm. Dijon mustard out of the fridge. Okay. Gluten-free okay. flour already in storage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sour cream. Okay. That's all it's, this recipe was. When put, are you going to learn to make your own sour cream? Putting um, that together. <laughs> That's some store-brought sour cream, Joe. <laughs> what is sour cream? What exactly is sour? No, I we're dogging it. You're getting the dong. Cream, we know what that is. The cream on top of milk. You know, they I honestly sour it know. and sell it? That can't be right. That doesn't sound safe. Surely they add some kind of ferment to it. Well, you drink sour beer. They do some kind of ferment to it. You're going to learn something new today. Maybe next week. But all of us are learning every day. <laughs> Brown your pork chops after you've dredged them in flour? Yes. Gluten-free? Take them out, add those peppers and onion, some broth, scrape the bottom off of the pan, let that reduce, add your sour cream, add your Dijon mustard, add a little milk if you need it, Mm. put your pork chops in there, put the lid on, Mm, it's good. Yeah, it was very, very good. Those turnip mashed potatoes, you want to hear how I made those? That was a quick show off for a friend, by the way, like that we had that. that Oh, Showing off. <laughs> it was perfect. There were not just me, but like there were seconds at the table for mashed potatoes and spoken of, like, these are so good. And I'm like, yes, it's the magical turnip in the mashed potatoes. Do you want to hear the secret? What's the secret? Turnips and potatoes take different times to boil to get right for a mashed potato consistency. Nice. If you put them in the pot together. You've learned that over the years of of making. So I have two boiling pots, one for the potatoes, one for the turnips. I put the turnips in about 10 minutes earlier than the potatoes. Uh Then it's drain them directly into a whole stick of butter that's already in the bottom of the mixer. A little half and half if I have it. If I don't, I just use milk, splash, salt, your poultry salt. Nice. I did not roast a head of garlic to put in there. No, I don't think you need it at this time. And then you just taste and adjust. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah, those are good potatoes. And a delicious salad. When you think your potatoes and your turnips are done, let them go three to four minutes longer. Go ahead, what? And a delicious salad, which... Filled with your produce. Tomatoes. Yeah. I grew. Beautiful. I mean, those tomatoes are beautiful. Red all the way through. That's some of the most beautiful tomatoes, most delicious tomatoes. Our friend. I'm so happy. Asked, uh, what, what is yours? A long list. Oh, yeah. Super nice. So what all did y'all talk about all day? Creative expansion blowing our systems up? <laughs> yeah. Actually, we did talk about that. Yeah, somehow we got in an interesting conversation. at the We went to dinner, you, me, and Savannah the other night. And we got into this really interesting conversation about school and 
shifts in school and then what I want to do after school and grades yeah, She basically said, I have no and, clue what I want to be when I grow and up. And I'm like, you just don't have to With know. With some level of pressure that she'd built on herself or by the school or friends or whatever. Yeah. And... Part of the deal with that is I have been talking about this concept of creative expansion or expansion that's occurring for a while now, like telling the kids, I mean, even with Cortland, like I had to just give up and just let him like go move on with it as if that things are going to just be the same, but things are changing so fast that there's no way a kid in eighth grade right now. Yeah. It's going to know what the world is even going to look like by the time that they're a senior in high school or graduating Much less what their career should be. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And things are just progressing so quickly in creative expansion that we're breaking, our systems are breaking down around it. That's what I see happening. And it's this energetic expansion that is lifting things up above any argument anymore almost. And yeah, 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 there are still people having arguments. Don't get me wrong. But like there's a whole level of collective consciousness that is just past that. And the reason is, is because we are changing so fast that our systems are literally crashing down underneath the systemic weight of creative expansion. And I honestly throw it all back to this idea that I've said repeatedly, and that is that in 50 years, we've gone from 1.9 billion people and this is all give or take. Go back. You're going to get the dates and you're going to prove me wrong, whatever. But within 50 years, basically, we went from 1 billion people to 7 billion people on the planet. That is expansive. That is massive. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many people a billion people is? It's a lot. That's how much growth has happened since... There were people that were still alive, that are still... That's exponential growth. Your mom was 30 years old 50 years ago. Right. That's <laughs> like, exponential growth. That's exponential expansion. And that's unless ex something changes, that exponential growth will continue at a much faster alarming well, rate. Well, yeah, because now there's 7.9 billion rabbits to make more rabbits. Right. And we make rabbits really fast. What's happening is, is that we're, we're not seeing how quickly things are changing around us. Our regulation systems can't control the amount of creative expansion. When I say creative expansion specifically, I'm talking about actual growth, actual creation and innovation, development, evolution, expansion, Wait, growth. What's an example I can wrap my mind around? Do you remember when the Lime scooters became like the thing? Yeah. Like Blue Duck and yeah. Lime and... Yeah. And these are these little like scooter things that you, you know, pay on an app and they just like appeared in more urban, everywhere. And in more urban cities, they appeared a little earlier. Right. But they were like the conversation everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Across the country. Everybody was bitching about All the cities them. rushing to regulate. Everybody was trying to regulate them. There was six months of argument and justifications and lawsuits and people doing it right and people doing it wrong and whether it's right or not on social media about six months of it. And now? Now it's just been absorbed into the landscape. Exactly. But where we are and in other places like us, nobody's even riding those things anymore. That's what's happening with our public school system. That's what's happening with our banking system. That's what's happening with our distribution systems. Basically, it's what's happening with everything. 
We are creatively expanding faster than our government systemic regulations or just simply systems. Probably coupled with an attitude of people caring less about rules. Oh, well, certainly because... That's what the government has over you. When you begin to make so many rules and mandates that everyone is a lawbreaker now, people don't care anymore. I'm already a lawbreaker. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to break the laws that I don't care about. And that's just what I am. During the pandemic, I was going to have more than seven chickens in my backyard. That's the thing about it. Most people are not rule followers to the core. Like that's a very small pie slice of existence. Rule followers to the core. I follow the rules because it's a rule, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And then you have people that are like, yeah, if we don't say these rules are absurd and basically break them until you change them, then we just stay with whatever rules we're told to follow. So taking the public school system, for example, and I suppose that listeners probably think she always picks on the public school system. I think it's because of this visionary thought that I have and this idea that like I could already see the complete and total breakdown of these zero tolerance prisons that we're sending our children to. And now they have a machine in their back pocket that the schools can't even really regulate them from having on them now because it's a part of living in the Mm -hmm. world at this point. Yeah. That a teacher can tell them something. They can pull something out of their back pocket, push one button and prove the teacher wrong in like five seconds. Those kids are doing things so fast. They literally know more than the teacher does. They do. They may not have as much experience as the teacher, but they know how to do more things. They can do more things in an hour than most of us can do all day. Mm. And we're trying to regulate them with rule. They've I've given they've up. Given, I give them my phone and say, fix this, please. I don't know how. Just like the limes. The trend is already in and out before you can even make a rule about it. Right. And you're just standing around here with your thumb up your butt, building buildings that are worthless. They're becoming... Pandemic proved you don't have to go to that building. Oh, God. It was chaotic, and it was it was a big learning curve, but... I'll be ex- so glad when I'm done with it. And and the thing about it is, is that if there's a misawareness of seeing the systems break down, I'm sorry that I broke the news to you, because it's coming. Because these systems don't work. We're faster than... We're smarter... We're more creative. Our children are way faster, way more creative. And it's really hard to like encourage a kid that's going to college when you have no clue what the jobs are even going to be when they get out of college. And the things have happened like that faster and faster and faster with each generation because the story that we were told was just get a degree because our parents' generation, the ones that had the degrees were the ones that got the best jobs. Mm -hmm. By the time we got out of college, they were like, who cares if you have a degree? Right. Like, what's your certification? Do you have a master's degree? Like, what else have you done besides get a college degree? Oh, you have a liberal arts degree? You don't even matter to the world. Then the master's degree became this new requirement. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, we, and this is part of the conversation that we were having with Savannah the other day, we didn't learn a single thing about what we actually need to be doing. How do I do that thing? (laughs) I was listening to somebody the other day and the concept basically was I went to school and I graduated. And when I graduated, I learned that I was a navigator, but I've never navigated anything in my life before. How did I get the degree that calls me like, you didn't have a summer project? These degrees that we have with this name and these words and whatever. I have a degree in communications. What? Like, 
you're qualified to do this podcast. You know what? I got the best degree that actually could have existed in all honesty for the, where the world was going. Because all we do is talk anymore. <laughs> well, our kids' generation also really is rejecting the way we've always done it as the rules to why it's done. Oh, yeah, because we're encouraging them. I hope. I think if you listen to last week's episode, you'll hear me saying, show up at the table being you. You be you. But you understand that at the end of the day, you are the one that faces the consequences for the decisions you make. You are responsible for you. You're responsible for you. Now, up to the age of 18, you're going to drag my ass into it. And then I'm going to get real angry because I'm going to have to pay for things. and I'm going to have to deal with shit. And I might not want to deal with that. So I may act like an asshole when I have to deal with your shit that you created and drug my ass into. The window's smaller than two years. I'm so close. I'm so close. And it's not that I'm wishing them out. Like, I'm not saying you have to even go anywhere. Like, you can still hang. You can turn 18 and hang out here. You can't lay around the house all day. But you can still hang out here. I'm not kicking you out. I'm just saying that at 18, if they take you to jail, you got to solve that problem. I don't believe you. (laughs) So what was ultimately the advice to her? I feel pressure as a high schooler to not... Ultimately, uh, the advice that I gave to her is like, look, if you're not slacking on... She's not. No. Go to this class. Do not let it be the stress of your life. Make sure that you're not wasting your time that you should be learning. Because one of the things that frustrates me the most about my education, I didn't learn a lot at school. Right. And I went to school for a lot of years. Right. As some kind of requirement. I learned a lot in the last five years, 10 years, 20 years of my life with my hands in the dirt. And I'm not, and yes, I'm saying that literally because I dig in the dirt, but I'm also saying that very metaphorically. I dug into life. And when I dug into life, I learned everything I needed to learn. But sitting at a desk all that time that all that stuff was going on, because I was forced to do it that way, and because, not to say that she's forced to do it that way, but get everything you can out of that calculus class that is not making your life easy. Even if you don't bring home an A, don't waste your energy Mm -hmm. because you're going to get out to the other side of it. Things are growing so fast fast outside here Learn. you're gonna wish you had that knowledge mm-hmm. telling her to ride the wave of creative expansion basically yeah when Stay i talk about creative expansion i'm talking about something really beautiful and amazing like the kids are developing creatively so fast they're magical they're magical they can do stuff so fast and they're so beautiful and they're so bright and they're so intelligent In the meantime, there is a breakdown occurring in order for that creative expansion to happen the way it's happening. The old argument of doing the same way, things the same way, the the way way they've always always done it, it doesn't even matter anymore because you can't. That's what you're talking about being left behind. Yeah. And I don't even want to say left behind anymore because I really want to think about it in a different way. It's not left behind. But there is more. There is more in this creative expansion. We are going somewhere. It's not even about being left behind anymore. It's about you're standing around with your thumb up your butt trying to act like you know how to solve all the problems. Then the system's breaking around you. And rather than saying, okay, what am I missing here? Where's my creative expansion in this whole process? And if I don't know how to do it, 
right now, Mm -hmm. then I need to freaking ask my kids. And I know that that's against every bit of programming and coding we've been taught. But our kids... They come to us for the advice. Our kids know shit, man. They're fast and they can get it done real fast. Think about Facebook. Facebook is another just huge example of what we're talking about. Facebook is not even, it's like what, 15 years old if you stretch it to the max of how old that company is? It feels like people have been using it around the world for about that long, yeah. It was being used in a small little classroom, college, Harvard, whatever system, mm-hmm. a little tiny college system right? 15 years ago. That's where Facebook started. And now it's just all consuming. It has changed BMF. the world. Yeah. And the regulators can't even understand what it's doing. To regulate it. To regulate it. To attempt to regulate it. Yes. It's not even an argument anymore. If mm-hmm. there's an argument about it anymore, then you're, you're staying behind on purpose. If you're arguing about the breakdown that is happening, whether you like it or not, there's no argument. There's literally no argument anymore. Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into? This is a good one. You haven't heard this yet. What toy played the most significant part in your childhood? A tape player? A Cabbage Patch tape player? A Cabbage Patch tape player? Yeah. It was a Cabbage Patch doll with a, it's like a Walkman? No, it was a just a little tape player, but it had the Cabbage Patch logo on it or uh, whatever. Was that your first Walkman kind of as a kid? I guess. It was a it wasn't a Walkman, it Jam was box. Just, it was a little tiny tape player and I used to climb up in trees and play songs. Do you remember the tapes? Well, I, I remember one song that I always played. Mm-hmm. I'm so dizzy. I'm so dizzy, my head is spinning. Where'd you get the tape? Where'd you get your tapes at that age? I don't know. I'm sure my mom or grandmother or whatever just gave me some tapes. As I think about toys, it's really, that's the thing that always comes to my mind is that toy. I rode my bike a lot, but I climbed trees. I I walked in the woods. Right. That's what I did. But Christmas time, did you get toys? Um, Yes. I got all kinds of things. I mean, I had a Teddy Ruxpin and I had Cabbage Patch Kids and I had all kinds of toys. I had Barbie dolls and I had things, but... It was that Cabbage Patch. Like you got to find a picture of it online. Memories of, of gotta... things that I actually feel like I actually played with. Mm-hmm. Like my memories of things that I played with were outside things. And I always remember that little Cabbage Patch record player. Not a record player, tape player. But I, I do remember we had a record player too. And I remember that as well. So it must have been a thing about music. I don't know. If you're a kid my age, you will know that Star Wars figures were very, very important. Yeah. So for me, personally, it was Star Wars figures. Because as an only child, I would have my Star Wars figures all around my room with strings taped to beds so that there were ropes and intricate scenarios that I I would play play out for hours and hours and hours. And I had this king-sized, big comic book that was the Star Wars story, and I could reenact it with my Star Wars figures. Yeah. Those are good times. I didn't play like that. I didn't play like that kind of... I rode my bike, too. I think that, like... But I wasn't I in had the country. S- I, had, I think I had so much imagination going inside my brain that I didn't I didn't play with characters necessarily the same way as other little kids did. Mm-hmm. I just didn't understand then what I understand now about the little, like, creatures that talk to me inside my brain. Like, I thought that I was weird. <laughs> Were. <laughs> Thank you.
I don't give a crap about the stupid labels. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. There's no way that a kid in kindergarten right now has any clue what they're going to be doing. That's not a good example. No. Of course they don't. <laughs> they want to know where the jungle gym is. <laughs>